0: Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com
2: Football Social Daily with German Donner Kebab. Get it delivered to your door via
1: Deliveroo or Ubreets. Hello, welcome to Football Social Daily, your only daily Premier League podcast. Well, I say daily, but that's not currently the case. We've scaled back for the time being due to the lack of on-field action, but we'll still be here bringing you at least three new podcasts a week. So hit the subscribe button if you're new around here and you'll be notified of a new episode as soon as it's released. Absolutely loads to go on on today's podcast, including apparent suggestions from a Watford director that the Premier League are about to scrap the season. Is this a stab in the dark from a club in need? or a director letting the cat out of the bag. Also after Jack Grealish and Kyle Walker you can now add Jose Mourinho to the list of rule breakers during this lockdown. The Spurs boss was spotted in a North London park giving a one-on-one training session with Tanguy Domble when both should have been isolating and if that didn't annoy Tottenham enough The duo weren't the only Spurs players out and about either in the very same park. We'll talk about that. Plus, reports claim that a US document has revealed FIFA officials supposedly received bribes to vote for the Russia 2018 and Qatar 2022 World Cups. Is anyone surprised? I'm Niall and alongside me on today's Football Social Daily, to chew the fat, we have Marley Anderson and Adam Keyworth. Hello, boys. Hello. Hello. Before we get stuck into the nitty-gritty, a quick reminder... But over on our Twitter page, at the Sports Social, we're currently in the middle of the intelligently named Premier League World Crap, which is our knockout tournament to find who is truly the worst Premier League player of all time. Group A saw X man United keeper Massimo Taibi see off the likes of Marco Bugas and Bernardo Karate. And in yesterday's group, the enigmatic Ali Dia came out on top ahead of strong competition like Joe and Titus Bramble. But there's another group today. We're not done. We still need to find our other two finalists. So then, Marley, what terrible top flight players have we got in today's group? Uh, so today we've got
2: a few uh, a few stinkers obviously there's 16 stinkers in total but group 3 uh, <laughs> is uh, is live from midday today it's going to be a four way vote as usual so we first up we've got Josie Altidore who was my personal pick for this uh, for this whole thing um and then there's also Alberto Aquilani who is cost um 20 million quid from who went when Liverpool bought him a few years back um also we've got Savio Insereco, who came from Germany to West Ham for a, a pretty large fee and did absolutely nothing. Um, and there's also Winston Bogard, who counts Chelsea and Barcelona amongst his previous employers. However, just sat around at Chelsea and refused to leave because he was getting paid forty-five grand a week and no one else would do it. So it's a pretty, uh, pretty stinking group.
0: I've, I've just had a look at Group Two. So Ali D has won one Group Two, and i voiced my opinions on this on Twitter. I think that Joe has been scammed. Out of a, a place in the final, Ali Dio <laughs> wasn't a footballer, so not. Mm, I I think that there's some dodgy behaviour.
1: Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think you should exclude him just because he's not a footballer. He still played.
0: To be fair, some of these some of these other players were Premier League footballers. Apparently, he literally was pretending to be a footballer. So fair play, fair play.
1: It is an open group, as Marley says, and we got time to talk about it later on in the show. I personally think Aquilani is really hard done by to be in that group but we'll talk about that later on in the show <laughs> first of all we need to get down to the nitty-gritty reports from italy are claiming that watford director pierre Paolo marino has said that the premier league are about to release a statement similar to what the belgian fa released last week if you haven't seen this belgium have already ended their league with club bruges announced as champions despite the fact it wasn't mathematically confirmed In your mind, Adam, is this a Watford director speculating to accumulate? Of course, Watford are in the relegation zone at this moment in time. Or has he actually let the cat out of the bag here, do you feel?
0: Um, I think that this has probably been a misquote uh, somewhere along the line. I think, as we've heard from the FA and UEFA and FIFA, it looks like uh, UEFA are trying to tell clubs, uh, not clubs, leagues and associations not to panic and make a panicked decision. The The thing with Belgium, the, the Belgian league, is they only had one game left that would have changed anything. So I think that's why they could just jump the gun and get over it. I can't see a Premier League decision being made uh, anytime soon. I think the the best thing that, that leagues can do is just put everything on ice and wait. I think jumping to any conclusion at this point is just going to be detrimental. Nobody knows when we're going to be out of this situation. So saying now or, we'll just scrap it when in two months' time, it could have be become possible to finish it. I can't see the Premier League, with all the money being involved, just jumping to a conclusion in April for something that we might not even see till July, August. So, uh, for me, that is either a misquote or he's just trying to give some positivity to Watford fans who are probably in fear of relegation, like you say.
1: Yeah, Marley, if this is maybe a misquote and th- or, or even if this is an accurate quote... How do these comments impact Watford and their fans? For instance, if this is not true, does it give false hope to supporters, making them think that maybe they'd be allowed to stay up? Uh, I think Watford fans
2: probably haven't given up on the fact that they think they can survive uh, anyway. So it seems a bit defeatist if they're hoping that everything gets voided um, because of a potential misquote by one of their, one of their directors, uh, who's also got other businesses on the go as well. So it it might it might have been like adam said um, a misquote in terms of maybe he was talking about the um maybe referring a bit more to the italian uh, league because he's obviously got um sources in in udinese as well he's obviously in the directors board there as well so it maybe it's um mm. I, I can't see him knowing anything that others don't do you know what i mean like i can't i can't see him being on the on the inside loop
1: of anything to be honest Watford are in a precarious position in the league table so it, it, maybe not in your mind but is there an, is there a chance that he's more likely to know the Premier League's wishes more than maybe a mid-table club who won't be as badly affected if the season is voided
0: I think um I think if the Watford director not even the owner if one Watford director knows the Premier League's plans ahead of anyone else and he's the one to let it out the bag I'd be absolutely stunned I I can't I can't see a director from any club, going, you know what? I'm the one who knows the Premier League's plans. He's not an owner. He's not um, like he's. I'm not going to say he's not important. He obviously is as a director at Watford and Udinese, but he's not going to be the one who knows the story before everyone else. Surely. I mean, I know that the Premier League's comms can be bad at times, but that that would be a hell of a slip up to to let this guy suddenly. Be the one who leaks the Premier League's plans for the entire season.
1: But I suppose an, an argument would be because Watford are going to be in more trouble if this season is voided. They will be relegated if the standings are taken as they are now. I mean, if you look at a club like Everton, for example, who are in mid-table, then they're probably not going to find out the information because it's not going to it's not going to affect them as badly financially. I suppose, Marley. I guess that would be one argument.
2: Uh, it, yeah. I suppose it would be an argument, but um, I. I... I honestly think that even the guys at the top of the Premier League, the ones that are actually making the decision, I don't even think they know a decision yet because, as we've said for the last few weeks, um, everythings you've got to play everything by ear at the minute. I mean, if you look at um, in Germany, they're starting to train in small groups now. So they they've clearly got over the worst of this virus and are looking at the other side of getting things played and getting things done. So, I think there's going to be more optimism going forward if if we can follow that at some point, whether that's May, June or July, something like that. we can finally start getting over
0: it. I think the other thing is what's to suggest that any clubs would be relegated anyway surely the the more i don't know not sensible, but the more obvious choice would be that nobody gets relegated. so I think to suggest that the the relegated the potential relegated teams. Being told before anyone else, I highly doubt. I think still Liverpool are set to lose a lot. And then obviously you've got the Championship Clubs potentially going up. They're the other ones who are set to lose a lot. So I think like Marley says, it's such a fluid situation that this isn't going to be let out the bag by a director. Well, what the quote suggested,
1: know. if it is accurate, is the, the statement that the Premier League are due to release, if we're believing this is going to be similar to that that the Belgian FA released. So if it is similar to Belgium, I guess that means Liverpool will be awarded the Premier League title.
0: Yeah. And do you know what? It's got to the point, and we've had this conversation off off the podcast, where I don't think... I mean, you've got to be really like bitter and whatever else at this point with what's going on. If Liverpool get handed the title, fine. I don't think anybody really cares at this point. Let them have it they're obviously deserving of it in the fact that they'd need to lose basically every single game anyway. Uh, I don't think anybody really cares. I think it's at the point now where there's many Liverpool fans who don't really care either. It's got to the point where this argument's been going on for so long. They, they, they would have won it by now. Yeah. Anyway, if Bruges, the league was going on. Bruges for
2: 15 clear.
0: Exactly. And you can't compare it to the Belgian league. In the Belgian league, there was one game left. Bruges were Bruges were miles ahead. Ghent were the only one, yeah, with with one to go. The only issue was the Champions League places, where there's two points separating the three potential Champions League spots. Um, but you, they were always going to give the title to Bruges because there was one game left. So, like I said earlier, that that's the only one of the only leagues in Europe where there's one game to go. There's not a lot to s- separate. They've got that incredible playoff system anyway, where. They can just kill the league off as it is, and then look at the playoffs another time. We're in a different position in a different position the Premier League itself, and then in the e f l there's three hundred and ninety six games left to play, and we're now in April we're in a much more precarious position than than many other places in in Europe, especially when it comes to money and just kind of the way I think our fans work as well it's it's a really weird scenario now. I'm very grateful it's not me who's having to make the decision, whatever that may be.
1: Well, we've said unanimously on the podcast for about three weeks in a row now, Marley, that completing the current season is a priority. Kesey says, put it on ice. I'm probably in the same boat as that. I think the season that we're in now should be completed. Um, so could cancelling the season be more damaging than actually completing the current one? It feels like we're all at sea at the moment in terms of making a decision, but actually it's going to be a case of damage limitation for the Premier League, isn't it? It's going to be damaging financially for them, no matter what decision they make.
2: Yeah, definitely. And um, as as we've said, we, you can't please everyone. Somebody's going to be annoyed at whatever, de- whatever decision you're going to make, but you're going to have to take it on the chin and maybe even in some cases that might end up in, in court cases and... And potential like people suing people for, you know, loss of earnings or or what have you. Um, I don't really think um there is a way to please everyone. So if you void it, that seems harsh and not really a decision. Um I don't think there's any real um any real disadvantage to, to just waiting. It doesn't really matter when you finish it, just finish it eventually. FIFA advised that um, the player contracts need to be sort of temporarily extended so players can can have their short term futures sorted out. And as soon as that gets sorted out, I think then you're not really in a situation where you can't wait anymore. Seasons can be moved back; it's not really an issue, really. So let's just do that.
0: That, That's exactly it, isn't it? That's exactly it. In that, if FIFA have said that player contracts will be extended to whenever the leagues have finished, that should. Uh, you should kind of note that as a precursor to, well, maybe that's, maybe that's what's going to happen. The issue is, if the Premier League are going to lose money, the broadcasters are going to lose money, fans have lost money, players are going to lose money, everyone's going to feel this knock-on effect. And at the end of the day, nobody saw this coming. People are going to be upset at what happens, but in the grand scheme of things, does it really matter? when the season gets played, if it gets played. The other thing is, what happens to next season? If you now delay this season to, and it finishes in September, we're well then already a month into next season. We haven't had a summer break. There's been no transfer window this is going to affect football for the next three, four years regardless.
1: Mm, my, my solution to that is bin off the Cups for next season, but that's uh, a story for another time. And we'll talk about uh, player contracts and the moving of the transfer, transfer window and, and players' contracts being extended on tomorrow's podcast for certain. So make sure you hit the subscribe button so you'll be listening to that whenever that's available. On to our next story now, Jose Mourinho. He's got into a bit of hot water. He held a training session in a park in Barnet with Tanguy Ndombele when really both the player and the manager should have been self-isolating. Tottenham are said to be really, really annoyed about this and understandably so. We've seen Jose Mourinho do some good work in the community in regards to supporting those affected with Covid-19 we've seen him you know don the mask and gloves and help deliver food parcels to people in areas of North London so you know those great things Marley that Jose did volunteering in the community over the last couple of weeks is that respect kind of eroded a little bit now due to the fact he's broken government guidelines by holding a training session with himself and Ndombele in a park. Um,
2: It's, it's typical Mourinho, this, isn't it? He, he just cannot, even when the country is in lockdown, he cannot stay out of the headlines and he still managed to do something that gets people talking about him. (laughs) I mean, he went, I'm just reading the story. He went to the park and he was wearing his purple, um, hoodie thing you know his he's, he's tracksuit it's like as if you can't be like if you were trying to be you know secretive about it wear, wear black or something wear navy or something <laughs> like that but now i'm wearing my purple uh coat lads come on um it's just it's just stupid isn't it it's um there's literally no need for it to happen um but it's clear that he's he, I mean he's had problems with uh, Ndombele all season, so it's it's something else that he's then said, Right, Tanguy, while you're not doing anything, let's make you uh let's try and make you a better player by coming to London Common and doing a few drills on uh on on a London London piece of grass in London. So it's a weird situation. I don't know why he's done it. Um it still remains that he's done more than any other manager in terms of going... I've never seen any other managers going out into the community and feeding all the all the people that are vulnerable, but he does seem to have kind of undone it a little bit now by by doing this, and Sessignon and Davinson Sanchez were there as well, so uh, it's clearly the, being organised by him. The
1: amazing thing is about this story is that it wasn't Jose and Ndombele, uh, it wasn't just them, they weren't the only Spurs employees to be in that park. Apparently Sanchez and Cessignon, as you say, Marley, were spotted in the same park in Barnet on the same day, training together, but not with Jose and not with Ndombele. If this story couldn't get any wilder, uh, Tottenham Hotspur have got even more issues on their hands, Adam. I think I've,
0: I've actually had a read into that. They live together, so we can accept that one. Um, so they live together, Cessignon S- and Sanchez, apparently in the same like apartment thing. So if that's true, we can kind of let them off. I think the Jose thing, though, I'm happy to separate Jose doing really, really good things, which he should be really applauded for and given all the credit for because that's a really good thing to do and something that other people should, should clearly do. And a lot have done similar things. But this whole going and doing some training in the park with Ndombele is just pathetic. There's, there's, n- <laughs> there's absolutely no need to whilst other clubs are kind of winding down the training regimes in the knowledge that there's not going to be any football for a couple of months he's decided to go out in his Tottenham tracksuit in central London to have a kickabout with Ndombele having everyone else is or I say everyone else most people are just doing what they they should be doing staying at home and he's decided to do this I don't know if he's done it for publicity or he's done it to make a point but It's just really, really poor. And I really feel sorry now for whoever's running the PR and the comms department at Spurs because they've had the worst week of their lives this week. And things like this just make everyone else's job harder. Tottenham fans this week on Twitter have been coming out and saying some really stern things about I'm falling out of love with my club because some of the things they've done, the furloughing of the staff, uh, Levy saying he won't help, then you don't need your manager then to go and do this when fans are genuinely embarrassed about the club. So it's it's a repair job that someone's going to have to put together, but you need your manager really to to look after it. You expect some of this from some of the players, like from Walker and Grealish. We saw some really stupid things, but you don't expect someone like Mourinho to then go and break these regulations that, that they really should be encouraging everyone to stick by.
1: How do clubs go about punishing those people who've broken guidelines, though? As you mentioned, City with Walker, Villa with Jack Grealish and now Spurs with Jose and Ndombele. So, I mean, what what's the kind of the best case scenario in terms of making sure that they do realise that this won't be tolerated, along with kind of ensuring that you kind of keep the harmony there? It's a tough one for clubs, Marley.
2: Yeah, it is. Uh, it is, But, I mean, obviously something has to be done. Is It's it's, it's something, something that probably lends itself to the... Uh, to the punishment of a fine um there's not really much else you can do i mean you know they they broke the rules what what do footballers get when they break the rules a fine simple as that there's no point in giving somebody you can't ban your own players for doing things like this i don't think it's not doesn't really it's not a, a something that's come from the premier league so that isn't really going to be a problem so I don't know, it's just, it's one of them where you just, you've got, you've just got to look at him and say, well, come on, like this is bigger than football. This, if you people see you out, you're a role model and all the rest of it. It's a big park in London. It's going to have its problems with people gathering in it anyway. Never mind the, the crowd that, uh, that would have flocked once they seen that Jose Mourinho was in the park. There's probably more people now going to that park to see potential other footballers that, that go there and see if they can spot anyone and. That just creates more of an issue because then there's more people not following this social distancing rule, and for the ones that are, they're stuck in the houses, and it could be could be another few weeks of lockdown while people are, uh, are flouting the rules, which is that annoys me because I've been I've been stuck in my house for <laughs> two weeks now, and I don't really know what else I can do. To be honest, I'm starting to <laughs> run out and things to watch on Netflix. I'm starting to win everything on on Pro Evil. <laughs> I'm starting to. Go, on, mate! I've even started jogging. <laughs> well,
1: it's that my, that really does take something. Marley is out the house jogging. That is, I know, that is something. you would be downloading Strava yeah. next. Oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bore everyone with my Strava updates. <laughs> on,
0: on that, Nile. Um, I think Marley's spot on there. That you can't, you can't ban your own players. I mean, they're already not able to play football for months anyway. That would be very silly. But I think the two things footballers have one is loads of money, so finding them is just going to be like, yeah, okay, I'll give up two weeks' wages. I'll just sit on the rest of the millions. That's fine. But the other thing is their image. And this is what they've they've been punished for already. And that that's the key thing for most players. Grealish hasn't always had the best image anyway, which I often disagree with because I, I think he's a great footballer and he seems like a decent bloke. But this won't help his image. It's not going to help his his standing with football fans. And Walker's image has just gone down the toilet as well. So they'll be punished for it in other ways that won't just be monetary or bans or whatever, they've they've now realised, oh my God, people think I'm an idiot. And that's just as big for footballers as a three-week fine or whatever they're going to get, which is a slap on the wrist.
1: Yeah, and I think as well, in that situation, it takes a lot longer for people to forget all of the negative and the bad things that people do, as opposed to all the good things that kind of make up for that. For instance, Steven Gerrard, as brilliant a footballer as he was, will mainly be remembered for... Istanbul and dragging Liverpool back into that Champions League final in 2005, which they won. But for a certain generation, um, and to me, for me to an extent, he'll also be remembered equally for that slip against yeah. Chelsea, in which Demba Ba let him through. And the positives that Steven Gerrard had in his career, and this is talking on the field and not even off the field actions, completely outweighs that uh, of the negatives. But sometimes it is those negatives that stick in the general public's mind.
0: Exactly. You've got Jack Grealish has just led his boyhood team to a cup final at Wembley as captain, as a young lad. And this year, he won't be remembered for that. He'll be remembered for going for a to a party with Ross McCormack or whoever it was when he should have been on lockdown. It's, it's a really simple thing that footballers always get wrong. And it's just, it's silly, isn't it? I, and I think the other thing, the point Marley makes about them being role models, sometimes you can disagree with that and say, well, they shouldn't be. But Mourinho, of all people, like you say, Parks in London are getting shut because people are going and sunbathing and going out as families for picnics and barbecues. He's not going to help that by taking his superstar footballers down Hackney Park, however it is. Just <laughs> just just if, just go and stay at home. It's not difficult. Mm. This this isn't a time to start making a fool of yourself. So, yeah, really silly behaviour. And no doubt, unfortunately, there'll be more of it. But
1: um, I've written down here on my notes, what more is there to say about situations like this other than for god's sake basically i mean what yeah. I mean, what else you just throw your hands up don't you go oh for god's sake you if, know if marley's out <laughs> jogging and keeping <laughs>
0: himself to himself everyone else can just chill out
1: well in that case we can chill out for a bit and Marley can have a bit of a rest I know he hasn't been jogging (laughs) today but (laughs) we've been talking enough about these issues on Football Social Daily for the time being so we are going to take a quick break and afterwards we'll be talking about Marley's favourite person in the world actually Alan Shearer and what his suggestions are regarding players and their contribution to the fight against coronavirus as well as some interesting reports published about FIFA corruption we'll have more after this on Football Social Daily
2: Football Social Daily with German Doner Kebab. Fancy something different for tea? Get takeaway delivery now via Deliveroo and Uber Eats. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now, so you never miss an episode.
1: Hello, welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you hit subscribe and you'll never miss another episode of the podcast again. We're still here, despite all this lockdown, we'll still have Premier League podcasts for you over the coming weeks and months. Well, one thing we know for certain is Alan Shearer's view on the whole situation. He said that he thinks players should decide amongst themselves how to help with coronavirus. I want to know, Marley, is this wishful thinking from your idol, from the big man, or does it actually have potential? Should players be putting their heads together and deciding how they can help contribute to this fight against COVID nineteen? Uh, well, if if God says it, then then fair enough, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, no, I mean, looking looking at what he what he said, I mean, obviously we talked last week about um, the health secretary Matt um, Hancock say, basically throw Premier League and footballers in general under the bus by saying they should be helping out um with all their millions that they're on obviously it's not as cut and dry as that there's things like if you take a um if you take a pay cut then that means you pay less tax so then you're paying less tax that you already paid that goes towards the NHS so that isn't really a a cut and dry solution um as many people think it uh, as many people sort of said it would be um, so I think what Shearer said. I mean, players should decide amongst themselves. I, I I would agree with that because it is on it is on you as a player. If you've got you know twenty million in the bank, what is half a million to you? It's not much, but it's a massive amount to the NHS. How many how many pieces of personal protection equipment could you get for that? How many scrubs? How many three D printers to print masks? Um, how many ventilators could you potentially buy? Um, there's loads of things that that money could be used for, rather than sitting in someone's someone's bank account. But it, it is up to them, because if you take, like I said, if you take a pay cut and it comes out of the the money that comes from your employer, there is there is things like tax you you have to you have to think about. So it's not as it's not just a lump sum. Whereas if you give it to the NHS, then it is a lump sum. It's it's like a gift. There's no tax to pay on it. There's nothing, there's nothing monetary. um, There's nothing like, there's no deductions that come from from it and that kind of thing. Um, So it is on players themselves and you've just got to hope that enough of them have enough sense of duty that they can make this decision for themselves and they don't have to be like pressured into it kind of thing. And, and, uh, make the wrong decision by refusing because it would take a a very brave and a very stupid person to say, well, I'm not giving up my, why should I give up my 60 grand a week to, to save people's lives? That that takes a a big, big bum hole to do that. So, um, you know, you need to, you need to have a bit of humility in this situation, I think. And if you have got enough money and you can help other people, then, then
0: why wouldn't you? I think, um, coming at this from a bit of a different angle, I think and I know this sounds very strange, I think United have done all of the right things pretty much throughout this whole this whole situation that's going on. They've all decided between them, the players, that some of their wages will go directly towards NHS charities rather than taking the pay cut, which is great. I think the main thing for me and the main point, and it's it's probably not the most popular point, is it's not on us. It's not even on footballers to give money to the NHS. That's literally the government's job is to fund the NHS. And if it's getting to a point where footballers are paying for PPE, and they have been, we're, we're in a bigger... This is a totally different uh, conversation about Well, it's literally not our jobs. And I think United even yesterday, they, clean, they cleaned out all of Old Trafford for food, for supplies, and giving that directly to people is one thing that I've been really impressed by. We even mentioned before with Mourinho, going out and helping people is gonna be as big an issue a big of an issue as anything else. There's charities this year who are gonna lose four billion quid because they've got no events to put on and like the marathon is the biggest charity event of the year. It's not happening, so all the charities are gonna suffer. There's Marley's right, there's no cut and dry answer. But I do think that Shearer's right here. It's the players between them are bigger, older enough they, they've they got their own money, they've got their own uh, financial advisors to work this out. Taking a pay cut is, is just going to... It's not of the detriment. Obviously, it's going to look good as a PR move, but the money's going straight back in the owners' pockets. If the owners aren't paying the players, the players aren't paying as much tax. It's not going to help anyone. So I think United have got it right. The players came together and decided what to do with the money, and I hope that more clubs and more players do it, and they will, We read that thing about Henderson had spoken to captains. We know one was Maguire because United went and did it. And I think over the coming weeks, we'll see more people do it. You saw Pep give a million quid to um, charity in Barcelona to help with their hospitals. So this will become the norm and so it should. But it's worth pointing out that it's not really on footballers to do this. And it's almost come from a wrong position of... Advice where all oh, footballers should be doing this because they're on loads of money. There's loads of people in this country who are on loads of money. It's not. It's not up to bloody. I don't know. Name me a rubbish footballer. <laughs> it's not. Not. It's not on them to start to start paying for uh gloves for the NHS. Like it's a really really weird amount of pressure to be putting on like a chastised part of society just because they're on good money. There's loads of people go and start speaking to the bankers if you want loads of money. This has all come from that stupid Hancock thing anyway, which the less said about that the better. But I think what some clubs are doing is right. And I hope, like uh, like Marley rightly said, I hope God is right in this <laughs> in this regard and I hope that more players do things in the world. God's always right. We know, right. In that case, they will do it. They should listen to Shearer. <laughs> well, we look he forward. Right.
1: We look forward to seeing uh, what the Premier League players' contribution is. Um, as you both say, I'm sure we will see some sort of goodwill gesture from the players. And as you mentioned, Kesey, Jordan Henderson has been leading Premier League captains in an idea, an incentive to perhaps generate um, or create a new NHS foundation fund in which money can be paid into that account by Premier League players and then divvied out where required to the NHS in certain areas. So we'll have to keep an eye on that one. But finally, we're going to talk about reports that claim that a document published by the United States revealed that FIFA executives were paid in bribes to vote for the Russia 2018 and Qatar 2022 world cups now we need to be careful what we say here and we need to claim that this is certainly just reports that we've seen at the moment we're not saying this is true we're not saying this is false this is only reports that we have seen online that a document has been published by the united states suggesting that fifa execs were paid in bribes to vote for the russia 2018 and qatar 22 world cups my first question and I, this will go to you Kizzy, is anyone surprised about this
0: if you could see the look on my face when I say "I for one, I am stunned <laughs> no no this this is the same every year we we see the same reports and the same things. Nobody's surprised that Qatar, a nation who've never been known for football ever have ended up with a world cup. I wonder I wonder how that's come about it's It's the same old story. it's a load of nonsense. The Russia one's probably a little bit different politically and the Qatar one's different politically, but FIFA is a, basically a political organisation. That's how things work. It's all done on votes, and it's done with different, how would you put it, um, just different aspirations and different ambitions, be that financial or in football's main interest. Uh, you only have to look at the Qatar World Cup and all the people who've died trying to make it happen to work out that it probably wasn't a good idea um, and they probably weren't prepared for it, so it doesn't surprise me and it's gonna be the worst world cup ever,
1: regardless so. do you think this information Marley could jeopardize the world Cup in twenty twenty two or are we pretty much dead certain to see that go ahead no matter what now
0: uh i think
2: we're I think we're resigned to to seeing it um I think all this can really can really do to be honest is is um prompt a reform in in how we award um, World Cups in, in future and European Championships and, and what have you um, there's been there's been many 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 cases of hang on how have they got this rather than X country um, whether that be I mean look at the Europa League final last year as well when it was in um, Baku in Azerbaijan and you have to get 60,000 Chelsea and uh, Arsenal fans to get to you know the arse end of some country which was 4,000 miles away just to see them, the teams play
1: uh, a game on a. I think it was on a Wednesday night as well. So, yeah, and they didn't have the infrastructure, did they? In in Azerbaijan, they simply did not have the facilities to cope with that many people at once.
2: Exactly, and neither did um, neither did Qatar really until they started building all these uh, all these stadiums. and And then you can you can then look into the human rights issues they've got and all the rest of it. So, uh, it's all a mess, really.
0: You only had to look at the fact that they had to change a tradition that's been going on for. I don't know, what is it, sixty years of World Cups, more seventy eighty years of the World Cup, to make it happen in winter because they decided to put it in Qatar and then went, Oh bloody hell, it's hot there, isn't it? We're not we're not gonna be able to do it. It's the whole thing's been a shambles from day dot anyway. They've they've decided, oh, we're gonna have to build a million new stadiums because we haven't got one. Then they've done that, killed loads of people, or loads of people have died, should I say. And now it's going to be in winter, which jeopardises that season. So the whole thing's a shambles and nobody's going to enjoy it like a normal World Cup. You want the World Cup to be in summer where you can go out drinking with your mates. You don't want to be sat inside some sweaty pub because it's zero degrees outside in your big car I think
1: it's worth mentioning as well. We say football's the global game, you know, it's, it's the world game. So I think there is an argument that the World Cup could be staged in different countries. However, changing it from its traditional summer slot, I do think, does raise some questions. Holding it in a country like Qatar, as Mali mentions does have questions regarding its human rights record but also the culture in the middle east in qatar in particular is very different so you don't tend to see uh bars in in the middle east in those countries like qatar and the uae and stuff because simply it's a muslim culture in which they don't tolerate drinking alcohol so you will have I mean, there's going to be more countries in the World Cup in the next few years, isn't there? They've upped the uh, the capacity in terms of the amount of countries that take part. So you will see a big sea change in terms of how the World Cup is consumed. You mentioned there it will be in the winter. There probably won't be much capacity for drinking for those fans that want to make the trip over to Qatar. So there are going to be some big changes that need to be made by FIFA. And it does make you wonder why the decision was made to hold it in Qatar when there's so much you know, finickety stuff that goes along with changing all, the, all of this kind of scheduling around.
0: It's hardly surprising though, is it? The The fans always come last, if we're being honest, in, in all levels of football, well, mainly, but definitely at the world level, nobody really cares. You only had to look at that Baku final to work out the last on the list of priorities was fans, because they hadn't even worked out that fans couldn't get there. So they're not going to be bothered about how many fans turn up. They're still going to get the the big broadcast deals and whatever other deals go on around the World Cup so I I don't see as fans why anyone would really want to go do you really want to go and spend your winter in Qatar where the rules are very different and you're always going to be a little bit on edge because you don't really know the rules and yeah it's it's not not for me not for me
1: Okay, from the World Cup to the Premier League World Crap, that's where we're going to finish on today's Football Social Daily. We mentioned at the top of the show, we are hunting for the worst ever Premier League footballer. We've got four groups, 16 players, all of them terrible, but only four can make it through to the final. But Marley, as we mentioned earlier, a very interesting group to get through today. Just remind us of the names uh, in today's group, which people can vote for on our Twitter page.
2: Uh, yes, yeah, so we've got today, we've got Josie Altidor, the uh, Sunderland striker who scored I think it was two goals in 70 games. Um, Alberto Aquilani, who moved to Liverpool for, I think it was 20 million euros, uh, probably about eight or nine years ago now. Um, Savio Insereco, who went from, I think it was Freiburg in Germany maybe. Um, He went to West Ham and was absolutely useless. And Winston Bogard, who played in that Chelsea team just before they got their uh, their money, uh, the sort of takeover by Abramovich, uh, he was there for a few years and just flat
1: out refused to move because he was on 45 grand a week. So far, we've got Massimo Taibi through, we've got Ali Dia through, and in this group, Altidore, Aquilani and Sareko and Bogard. Now, Altidore's your choice, Marley. And to be fair, when you read his record, one goal in 70 games, oh, goodness, I think he's... For me, I think he's the favourite in this group. I I hope so, because he fully, he fully deserves like it. I like the idea of
0: Aquilani <laughs> winning this one.
1: Oh, I think that's harsh, Kesey. I really do. I'd, yeah. I, know, I know he wasn't at his best at Liverpool, and I know we're taking it on their Premier League performances, but, I mean, he was loaned to Juventus and played pretty much every game the yeah, season I'm... after. I mean, was was... Aquilani I, really that bad, or were Liverpool just terrible at that time as well?
0: I just want to throw him in because he's got a very enviable uh, career clubs thing. He's played at Roma, Juve, Milan, Fiorentina, Sporting, Las Palmas, and kind of just got away with it. I think he scored like 25 career goals. <laughs> so he's managed to dig out this incredible career. He moved to Liverpool for that much money, having scored 13 goals. In 150 games.
1: Yeah, for an attacking midfielder, you'd expect a little bit more, wouldn't you? And
0: I I just love the the idea that he's he's managed to carve out this incredible career. Obviously not, not being very good. He just looks like a really good midfielder, if you look at him. He just, he, he screams, oh my God, he's going to be really good.
1: He's got the long hair, he's got the, the headband, he's got the surname. I thought it was a bit harsh when I saw his inclusion, um, but I'm probably going to side with Marley and go with Altidore, which means that for us, Nsereiko and Bogard uh, are going to get away with it, but we should really probably mention about how bad both of those players were. I mean, Nsereiko. Is he a striker? Oh my
0: God, he's got 11 career goals <laughs> in 13 years. He's, He's the also most got
1: we- age group cap. He's for the most West Ham
0: well. signing I've ever seen. They signed him for nine million quid after he'd played twenty two games in three years. Wow! He was given the number ten shirt. Oh my god! He was given the number ten shirt on a four and a half year contract at West Ham.
1: So yeah, maybe and Sareko deserves a look in, but Winston Bogard as well. Marley was another terrible player. Yeah, I've um I've just looked up the
2: quote. I can remember um it's a. Starting off with Winston Bogard, let's have a look at his career um his career path. Ninety four he was at Ajax, then he went to AC Milan, then he went to Barcelona, then he went to Chelsea. So he sounds like a mint player. He's like, Oh my god, that's a career path anyone would be uh, would be proud of. He ended up at Chelsea in two thousand, two thousand and one, signed uh, a four year deal and played nine games. <laughs> so as as um Man, as managers didn't like him they they tried to put him well they, they did put him in the reserves and the under 23s and he was obviously on the transfer list and nobody could, could get a uh, could agree a deal with him because he was on I think it was 40 or 45 grand a week but then he said somebody asked him how like why are you why are you still here you're clearly not playing and this is the exact quote he said why should I throw 15 million euro away when it's already mine at the moment I signed it, it was in fact my money. It's my contract. In the end, he only appeared 11 times during four, <laughs> years to, four years at Chelsea, earning 40 grand a week. And it is another level of stubbornness to say, this is my money, I'm having it.
0: Have you seen, have you seen the other quote? This is, this is another incredible quote. And after the, you hear this quote, he should be crowned the worst ever Premier League player. Here's his exact words. The world is about money. So when you offer me these millions, you take them. Few people will ever earn so many. I am one of the few fortunates who do. I may be one of the worst buys in the history of the Premiership, but I, <laughs> but I don't care.
1: Get wow! this man Unbelievable. He looks like a bouncer as well, Winston Bogard. If you see a photo of him, you wouldn't want to bump into him on, on the door of a nightclub in, uh, in, <laughs> in Kensington, that's for sure. He's, he's incredible, right?
0: He's my choice now. I love him. I absolutely love him. Wow. And then he retired. He retired because nobody wanted to sign him after retired all Retired
1: in 2005. <laughs> oh
0: my God, this guy.
1: Well, the choice is yours, not ours, thankfully. Um, you can get your say over on the Sports Social Twitter account. It's at the Sports Social. We need your votes on our poll to let us know who goes through to the final, along with Massimo Taibi and Ali Dia. Josie Altidore, Alberto Aquilani, Savio and Nsereko or Winston Bogard are your choices. And tomorrow's group, Roberto, Igor Stepanovs, Milton Nunez and Bebe. So some Stinkers still to get through. Uh, we'll be discussing them on a podcast uh, a little bit later on. So make sure you hit subscribe. But that's it for today's show. Thanks very much, Adam. Thanks very much, Marley. Cheers for having Thank us. Thank you. Cheers, guys. I've been Niall McCorn. Thanks for listening and make sure you hit subscribe. You won't miss the show again.
2: Football Social Daily with German Dona Kebab. Fancy something different for tea? Get takeaway delivery now via Deliveroo and Do
1: 18 plus.